Okay, ladies and gentlemen out there in your Pearl Jam world, this is episode three of PJ's Black Circle by Pearl Jam geek fans for Pearl Jam geek fans, and just above all, all lovers of music, as always. And as always, is my monster of the midway, my stairway to my Led Zeppelin, the gangster holding down the Midwest. Is Wes? What's going on, dude? Doing, doing pretty well. Doing pretty you well. You sound was... good. You sound great. I feel Are you good ready for today. I am. I've been uh, I've been thinking about this episode for a bit, and uh, it's again, it's always um, it's always fun to talk to you. You bring a lot of power and uh, energy to the the mic. So good intro That's again. Good. Yeah. yeah. Hey, no worries. And remember, people listening at home, we we are. We are, Wes and I are far away from each other. We came together over numerous different things, but of course our affinity for Pearl Jam. And and it's just been a great experience so far, being able to just take time aside from crazy life and talk about music. And, you know, the topics we have, we, we don't really, we don't talk about them before we get doing our show doing our podcast we just like oh maybe we'll talk about this today and then we just go so that's why when people are listening to this if you see that we're kind of moving all over the place you know we'll bring in random topics we'll go off on tangents that's going to be normal for us we're not the standard typical you know podcast where everything is just formulated all the way through would you say so I yeah mean, we're kind of all over the place right yeah i think it's what we're trying to do is just have a conversation about our favorite band and um we're not historians we're we've never at least you made a mention about being stone but i've never talked to any of the band members so this is this is basically for me um every evening uh, with my friends in college uh, with a few beers, <laughs> just that conversation, just put in onto a podcast. So that's really the, uh, the enjoyment of it. So it just kind of whatever spontaneous thought that pops in, uh, it, it takes it down another, another black circle, uh, of, uh, sure. conversation. So I love it. I love yeah, it. man. We don't want it to sound like a toilet, like flushing, like a circling down the drain. You know, this is, this is spinning the records people. This is getting off on, uh, our favorite dudes that jam out and, we don't know these people, right? We're, we we want to be fans, but we don't want to be psychos. We're not going to be tracking these people down. They need their privacy. Even though when we go to shows, like you said, when Ed's talking, you know, we want to th- yeah, he's talking to me. I know he's talking to everybody, but, you know, he really knows that I'm there. You know? Yeah, some of the at best times. Like to, at least yeah. I like to think so. In my yeah, absolutely. Some of the best, best times of a Pearl Jam concert is, you know, when Eddie – takes a few minutes to address Wes and to talk to him about uh, yeah, political true, issues or, or yeah. uh, climate change, these things like that. So um, yeah. he, uh, yeah, he influences a lot of people, but uh, I mean, these are all ideologies and things that, that the band shares, which is, which is awesome too. So it is cool. <laughs> and they've taken, obviously it's well known. They've taken a lot of flack, you know, but I like that, you know, Ed will, talk about what's going on you know he's not scared to voice his views not everybody's going to agree you know i'm sure in the past he's alienated a few people here and there um you know that just don't fall in line with 
his method of thinking, but I think with a guy like that, it's all from the heart, you know, um, just something that he's passionate about and, you know, he wants people to be treated fairly. He wants people to, you know, enjoy a nice life. And if he sees stuff like that, that's not going right, then, you know, he's going to talk about it. So if we don't get anything else out of this, know that, what do you, what do you think, Wes? All your political ideologies is coming from Ed Vedder. No. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, 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 you know, I come in from rural Midwest, you know, not having a lot of exposure to big cities and, and sure. different diversity. Uh, I have to admit that, you know, of course in that we're kind of, um, you know, kind of roller coaster of a, of a, a life that you're living at, you know, 17 to 23. Yeah, sure. Did, did some of Ed's and the band's uh, ideologies and, and some of their political you know preferences kind of rub off? Of course, I'm not, I wouldn't deny that, but um, you know, that's what you know, this band, you're right. You, you intro it as geeking on, on Pearl Jam. And I know, you know, probably, at least to me, take it to you know a pretty high level with regards to how how I how I see these guys and right. But I think it's in a healthy way. Like I think it's it's they're they're doing a great thing and they're passionate and they're they're people that care about others and they obviously have some fantastic lyrics that that resonate with people. And those yes. are you know some conversations we'll get in other episodes. But uh, it's just really awesome as far as you know, having. You know, a front man that is is kind of so charismatic and and uh, yeah, it's just it's again, it's just there's a reason why we do this is to kind of express some of the things that we've and stories that we've uh, that we've had with these uh, with Pearl Jam and and how much they've meant to us. But, Absolutely, um, yeah. and we'll get into a lot of that as well because I mean, we could spend a whole hour talking about how much these guys give back, right? <laughs> how how much money they've donated over the years, all the different causes. You know, these guys give back, but, you know, we spent the past couple podcasts talking, you know, telling stories, but we don't really talk, you know, we haven't really touched upon so much about maybe the individual members of the band and maybe a little bit where they come from and things like that. So I know you were kind of wanting to work into this topic. So how, you know, how do you want to start? What do you want to, what do you want to lead off with? So um, I let off last episode saying Stun was my guy, and yeah. of course, Ed's my Ed's my dude, and then Stone's my guy. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're a funny story. Like my um, uh, in college, uh, there was a group group of my best friends. They lived in this uh, this red house. We call it the uh, the red barn. And I remember like each every and every Halloween. Um, uh, party that we would have. I'd always dress up as Eddie Vedder and nobody, and this was 2004. So like, or 2005, nobody really knew who I was trying to be. They thought I was some, <laughs> I would go to the, like the local Walmart or something and get a wig and I'd be like, have my, my work boots and, and shorts on. And it was just so funny. So, uh, of course my, you know, my affiliate or my, my top guy, he's, he's Ed, but if we were to kind of identify like, who else? The who are these guys? Like who outside of Eddie and Stone and Jeff and Mike? These right. are the you know the, the main dudes. And uh, you mentioned that you had met Stone, so I want to hear that you know first, and then maybe yeah. we can um, kind of yeah. share some of their thoughts on the other members. Well, first I want to give kudos to how uh, how amazing it is that you dress up <laughs> as 
as a member of a musical group that's probably not very well known. Like, like if you're going to dress up as someone that people might know, you know, maybe you don't pick Ed. So like when you're walking and trick or treating, people are going to be like, Oh, that's Mick Jagger. Or (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you wear like the blue jeans and the t-shirt with the, red do rag out the back and you'd be like oh you're bruce springsteen or whatever but i i i dressed up as maynard one time uh for halloween uh lead singer of tool nobody Mm -hmm. knew who i was dude i painted my face all crazy even wore a tool shirt and people were like okay yeah so it's not weird okay good it's not just you i've done it before and I felt the pain of people's maybe musical ignorance, but that's and, okay. Yeah, that's and this was like this. this was like '91, Ed. So, oh yeah, yeah, I'm trying to brand do new baby. Yeah. yeah, trying to do the Doc Martens with the uh, the cutoff jean shorts, and um, it might not work. Yeah. It, it it was unsuccessful, but uh, it was fun nevertheless, man. I can envision it. It's great. So yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't know these people. I don't. I'd like to, you know, we when we have a band that we love and we grow up listening to that touches us, you know, people will draw so many different emotions by listening to their music. And you like to think you know them because you have this personal interpretation when you're listening um, to their lyrics and their songs. And, you know, I've been lucky enough just living in the Seattle area, just over years the only person i haven't met from the band is boom you know and i don't know if i'll ever meet him you know because i don't know if he like does too much stuff or science funny enough funny enough i actually funny enough you know i was standing in line in SeaTac one time um the, the the tsa was way long and boom was standing in line uh about five feet in front of me on the next line. Um, so yeah, I didn't talk. I didn't talk to him. It was like six three in the morning. Hey, I'm like you said, I'm not gonna go up and talk to him. You um, should. You jump that line, bro. Yeah. You get up. You get up, and you get the shaka. You know, you get the, uh, you get the the selfie with that man. I also saw Matt Cameron in SeaTac as I'm leaving, uh, as I'm exiting the terminal. I saw him cruising past me, and I was like, oh my god, it's Matt Cameron. I'm gonna say something, and then I didn't because again oh. i wasn't gonna do that i wasn't gonna oh. be like the guy like hey man i'm trying to get in my plane can you back off yeah i hear you and it's and it's it's that fine line like we're obviously trying to be very social aware of people's boundaries and things like that and it's been you know i can only imagine living a life like this where it's just like you're in the public light in some way shape or form whether it's you're on TV, you're in the movies, you're in, you know, you're in a band and just, well, one of the know, things how I thought... hard is it to fight for your own privacy? And so when, when I met Stone, right, it was at this kind of show I was talking about at the last episode where Eddie was doing a very small show and the show was over and there's maybe you know, 80 people, 100 people in the small room. Now, I like I turn around and, you know, it's Stone and I could tell he was there with his family. Right. And, but I'm just like, oh, what do I do? Because I need this guy's autograph. I need to at least say something. So 
the way I've approached him and the way I've always approached these guys would be just like very respectful. It's just like, Hey, Mr. Gosford, I'm terribly sorry to trouble you. I know you're with your family. I just want to say, I love your music. And is it possible that I can get an autograph from you? And he was like, yeah, okay. And I couldn't tell if he was cool or not cool with it, but it had to be done. So, you know, I got the little autograph (laughs) and I said, thank you. And I just kind of, you know, I, I, I honestly can't remember if I shook his hand or just kind of went on. But, you know, it was a very small snippet, but he was very nice and very accommodating and super cool. And it must run in the family because totally random. And you know this story. Uh, years later, I'm working in retail. I'm helping a gentleman and he's buying something and I'm writing him up gives me his first name gives me his last name is gossard and i'm just like and i'm looking at this guy and he looks just like stone i mean glasses just like the face the whole thing and um so i'm just you know i'm not even really looking at him i'm writing him up and he's like yeah gossard and i was like yeah i can spell that and he spells it out i was like any relation to stone he's like yeah that's my son i was like that's pretty fun he's like yeah the boys are cool and you know <laughs> you know you're just very like nonchalant about it it's like you know like any parents it's like the kids are like in the basement you grow up with them yeah and they well, don't and- see them as as stars even though they know that they're famous. you know it's, exactly it's the boys it's the kids it's the well, neighborhood crew you know yeah because my understanding of the early stages of at this point have been right off it wasn't even a band right it was right after mother love bone and Stone was just I – mean, I saw this on PJ20. So, again, I'm not a historian, so I'm just kind of regurgitating a bit. Um, you know, Stone was just hanging out. And and Mike, obviously, that close connection of, of Seattle um, artists and Seattle musical scene, you know, they knew each other. And, and then just kicking it in Stone's house, Stone's parents' house, just, you know, jamming. Like, so, you know, clearly – the Gossard family. And this is why I think stone would be my next level down from Ed because kind of like the father figure of the band, maybe a bit like kind of, mm-hmm. you know, helped assemble, of course, you know, big part of it. And, um, and of course, sure. Seattle native, which is cool. Um, and then every, uh, it's just, um, that's a cool story, man. I, I again, you want to try to give, you, you have to give these people the, the, their, their space and, right. And, and that's what they've really, I mean, again, I'm not a historian. So, you know, just some of the, the things I've seen, just imagine how big Pearl Jam could have been in the nineties, even bigger, if they would have been more, you know, showy, um, done more right. you know, music videos or, you know, they were in the very, at least Ed, I think his vision for the band was to be more kind of hidden, um, at least for his own privacy and others. But uh, yeah. Well, I mean, think about how many bands over the years maybe are, you know, you can be successful in a number of different ways. You can be showy. You can kind of carve your own path and, you know, make your own trail. And I I just have this feeling that a lot of the bands that inspire Pearl Jam, there's going to be quite a few that will be showy, like a Led Zeppelin or Jane's Addiction, stuff like that, that are very, you know, they're just rock in your face and awesome outfits and just really lavish stage shows. And then you have other uh, people that might inspire them, say like a Bob Dylan, right? Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. a Cat Stevens 
or Neil Young, Springsteen, or Neil Young, absolutely, dude. You know, Uncle Neil the whole way, and you know, it might not be the quick path to success, but I just feel like you're gonna have the staying power, and you're gonna be able to in such a way connect with more people throughout the years because you're just staying true to yourself and in a world like today when you've got so many different influences coming at you and so many different angles one it's hard to know what to believe it's hard to know what's true right, right. but if you see people that you know are relaying the same message constantly and it's you know respected and done in a nice way you know for me those are the people that i'm going to gravitate to um you know i don't see pearl jam as being like super negative right and and like the end of the world is coming and things like that there's been moments you know i've heard ed say some stuff yeah you know when it's when i'm like one concert i'm out at the gorge it's like 116 did you go to that yeah dude i was baking dude we stayed in moses lake we went like two days in a row the wife and i and my sister-in-law and we had a great time but like dude if we didn't have a hotel room that would have been brutal Mm -hmm. and we were just you know that was the only time i ever seen ed wear shorts on stage yeah tank top right got the shorts it's freaking hot out there dude and even even in the canyon down there usually catch a nice breeze like all the smoke from the crowd wasn't really moving anywhere dude it was like (laughs) it was hanging it was hot so you know i've heard him say some things over the years as far as like okay this isn't going very well we might want to like figure out a way to make this better but you know they're not this apocalyptic like you know group i don't hear it in their lyrics i i hear a lot of hope right i hear a lot of a lot of passion a lot of conviction and i think yeah especially in some of his later stuff like i think for me the lyrics are a big part of of why i love pearl jam um i think you could you could you could do a whole episode of some lyrics but i think you know the first stage of you know the first four albums or so we're, we're kind of dealing with you know ed stuff and and stone even mentions that on on pj20 like the creative mind of the band shifted at like kind of vitology to Ed and Ed's going to kind of have, have, the, have the jurisdiction here. Right. Uh, it was Jeff and stone. Uh, and then Ed, you know, of course, you know, kind of steam rail and everybody on that, but, and then towards the end, well, I hope he's not railroading people, you know, he seems, you know, but, but I feel you. He's, he's got a ton of lyrics, man. You sure know? does. He's got a lot of stuff to say. So going through some of his stuff and then at the end, or these last list, this gigaton is, which is a little bit more with some of the world stuff we're going through, which is really awesome to, to hear a band kind of focusing on like, this is, you know, things are, things need to yeah. change that way. Right. So yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. find a way to express some of his uh, displeasure in what's happening, but in a, in a way where you can maybe, maybe create some change. And I think that's, that's what's so awesome. It's not, they're not, they're not talking. Yeah, they're not talking about things that don't matter. They're really talking yeah. about, you know, they're saying about things that um, that change people's lives. So. so you know, I know you like the Stone. I do. He is yeah. totally awesome. Like, how cool is it to have a band with like basically three guitars going? You know, they were. You know, the people that were influenced by them say like a Jack White. You know, he's gone on record saying that 
you know, he was just like so thrilled to hear a band with like double guitars. And this was before, you know, Ed was playing a lot. He was just kind of rocking the mic. And now you've got three and you just add this rich sound and then you've got boom in there banging on the B3, you know, Jeff and Matt holding it down in the rhythm. And these guys, I just don't know if there's anything these guys can't do. Mm-hmm. And what's, and then I think that's what a lot of folks are drawn towards is this feeling they get not only from the sound and the lyrics but just how nice these guys are and accommodating to their fans. Because when I met Mike McCready, I met him after a show at the key and dude, again, it's this, you're going to hear this theme coming from me a couple times. I was just lucky to work at this place where my boss at the time was like working on Ed's house, developed a friendship with him because he just treated Eddie like a normal dude, not like some rock god, right? Right. And so I got side stage tickets where I'm on the side of the stage, kind of next to where all Mike McCready's guitars are. And now, people, okay, so when you look, when you're in the crowd and you look at the side of the stage, and you're like, man, that's got to be a cool place to be. Well, it is cool, but you can't hear for shit up there you say behind basically behind the band you're on the stage or no i was on the side so i'm just like so if you're looking at the stage you know mike is always on the on left, the left. So right. i'm just basically to the left of him they have okay. like a little kind of like elevated ramp area with maybe 20 people on it mm-hmm. so they would walk by you as they're coming in and out from like hitting the stage or doing their encores and stuff like that okay and, Man, I really wanted to reach out and touch some guitars, but I probably would have got like my arm chopped off, you know? So totally cool. You're I mean, you're right there. It's a whole different energy and feel, but all the music is going forward. So like if you didn't really know the lyrics that well, especially with how Ed sings, right? Right. And say if that was your first show and you're on the side of the stage, you'd be like, I can't hear anything. I don't know what is, you know. I hear music, but I can't, you know, you wouldn't be able to, you know, kind of break that down and know what they're saying. So anyway, so along with that type of hookup, we go up in the back of the key arena and then we go up this elevator to some cool restaurant area that I never even knew it had because it's all like behind the scenes. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And they had a cool bar in there. And Mike's already up there and he's talking to some folks and, you know, we're kind of, my buddy and I were kind of keeping our distance. I'm like, do we go? Do we, you're right. That whole thing. Do we go? Do we not go? Do we go? Can you give me the, uh, uh, the decade this is in or at least the year? Oh, I'm going to say that we are either like 99 2000 2001 2002 ish okay. like right in there like right okay. in that three four year spans and people at home part of the reason i'm gonna have a hard time like bringing the exact dates together is been lucky enough to go to a lot of shows it's been a 25 30 year endeavor and you know in addition i've gone to a lot of other rock shows so i don't know if just my memory is shot from being in the crowd with all the party people or, you know, I've just listened to so much hard rock that my brain is like, like now 
like scrambled a little yeah, bit. So it's around point. in there. Good point because every time I go to a Pearl Jam show, I try to at the end be like, okay, I think I can remember the majority <laughs> yeah. of these songs, but literally I can't even remember twenty five percent of the songs that they played that night. Yeah, that's, no, uh, it's, it's it's the life we live, dude. You know, <laughs> and it's the life of the fans. So not a problem there. But um, I do remember at that show, he was wearing uh, a George Bush mask. So I want to say, you know, it was during his term. Now I'm talking okay. about junior, not sure. senior. of course. Right. And yeah. so, you know, he was. So this would have been right after, probably right acts. Yeah, like right around in there. Yep. Okay. I'm with so you. So I see right. Mike and I'm just like, oh, do I approach, you know, do I wait for him to come closer? I'm just trying to, just trying to be cool and not lose my shit. Because I'm like, this guy shreds the guitar, and I just really want to chop it up with him. So I wait for the dude he was talking about to leave. My buddy and I walk up, and I go, and I'm like, excuse me, Mr. McCready. Very formal, right? Excuse me, Mr. McCready. I just want to say that we are big fans, and I was hoping. He's like, he's like, my dad's Mr. McCready. Just call me Mike. <laughs> like that. Like, like, totally cool, dude. Like, just, just call me Mike. You know, and he really enjoyed the, uh, my, my buddy, he had a, uh, so the backstage pass, he kind of laminated it and it looked way cooler than mine. And he was just kind of gigging on my friends. Like, he's like, oh, this is so cool. This is how I would make it, you know? And yeah. Like Wayne and yeah. Garth on Wayne's world, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm trying to be like, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> Even though my buddy, he was not like. The, the big Pearl Jam fan. He was just like a party kid and just was happy to be there. So, so you had a full-blown conversation with Mike. That's, a little uh, bit. A little cool. bit for like a few minutes. I was just, you know, just talking to him. But it's like, what do you say? And plus, I'm, I'm young. I can't, you know, at the time. If I met him now, yeah, I'd be able to carry a conversation and just actually be like you know just shoot the breeze and just talk like a normal bro and just try and hang out but at the time you're you know especially after a rock show i don't i I probably wasn't thinking straight anyway plus i'm like i'm geeking out and so you know the time was not as long but yet again another experience with a band member that was just totally cool just a normal seattle dude he just got done melting everybody's face off in the crowd with like 20,000 people like screaming at him, you know? And then he's just like, yeah, just call me Mike. I'm totally cool. You yeah, know, super wonder. nice. Good point. And, he's I, just, and I always like Mike. So yeah, if I was going to have my guy that was like, I wish, you know, if we're going to, I don't want to take sides, but yeah, I got Ed, you know, he's at the top and under. I'd probably put Mike there because I've seen him do some of his solo stuff. I've seen him do um, a benefit show for him for staying sober for like mm-hmm. 20 years, 25 years. It was a big benefit thing. And he's just like super nice, super genu- genuine, mingling with the crowd. And again, just reaffirming that I think I got it right when I chose these guys as my favorites. You know what yeah. I'm saying? No, and, so. <laughs> yeah. No, and for like, for Mike, he is. Uh, I would. I think it would be pretty fair to say he is. He's above Stone when it comes to maybe musical 
talent. Uh, I mean, except, uh, I'm not a not a musician uh, at all, but you know, he is clearly uh, a master um, and shreds just like like nobody else. Um, you know, Stone absolutely is a you know riff meister. That cat uh, is unique when it comes to developing his, uh, in some riffs and, and, and rhythm. But, you know, Mike, like you said, he's, um, he's a big part of the success of the band. Um, and some of the solos are iconic. Uh, of course, in a live show you hear, you hear black or you hear even flow alive. Like it's just, it's intoxicating. Some of the, some of the solos that he, he brings down and, and he's totally underrated. You know, oh, for fans. sure, he's underrated. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and I don't know if he needs to be rated for him. You know what I'm saying? I I just don't see him as the guy that's like, I need to prove myself to my peers. You know, um, he's he's got his style. You know, heavily based on you know uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, right? And you know, when I hear Mike, I hear a lot of Stevie which is amazing because no one's ever going to play like Stevie Ray Vaughan ever again. And, um, and you never really hear him in the conversation as much, unless it's in like some magazine, they're like top 100 guitarists, you know, of the past like 20 years, then, you know, I'll usually see him in there, but you don't really ever say Jimi Hendrix, Tony Iommi, Eddie Van Halen, Stevie Ray Vaughan, than Mike McCready or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Well, so, I, do you think it's because Ed is is so such a uh, prominent frontman that he and and Stone and Jeff maybe do you know just kind of know. collateral damage? Don't get the kind of <clears throat> publicity that they probably should. I don't know, and maybe like you mentioned it, it's maybe it's a lot of the fact that you know for a long time they didn't have a lot of music videos out. There was no YouTube at the time, right? I mean, they weren't on TV. And so unless you're going to see them live and just see them just tear it up, right, (laughs) nightly, Mm -hmm. then you're not really going to see that. You know, they didn't want to be in magazines. They didn't want to be on the cover. So, you know, you've got this huge chunk of time that has gone by. And like I said, I don't think they need that notoriety. They're, they seem pretty self-sustaining. I'm like just doing their own thing and now currently doing different projects and spreading the wealth and playing with other musicians and, you know, yeah, <laughs> how cool getting... is it, dude? They're getting to like play with their idols, right? You right. know, people, they like, what kind of cool life is that, that, you know, Ed grows up idolizing like the who, mm-hmm. and then he's able to play with them multiple times and, I'm sure hang out and shoot the breeze. He's probably got, you know, Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend's number in his phone. He can just be like, Hey Pete, I'm working on this. What do you think? And just like call him up. just like a bro. I'm like, what? That's yeah. gotta be so awesome. Um, <laughs> you're right in the fact that, you know, Mike, you know, Mike doesn't even, at least let me, re- let me rephrase his side project early on with like mad season and, Temple of the Dog, of course, um, you know, Stone and Jeff were in that. But his, I'm a huge fan of Mad Season, and he is a huge reason for that. And you can tell, like, yes. the more I, okay, so when I had first heard a handful of those songs from Mad Season, I didn't, I didn't even probably, it was 
young and Brett didn't even really fit, realize who was playing the guitar. Um, but after, you know, of course, picking up and understanding how his guitar sounds, if I listen to River Deceit, I know exactly. I'm like, that's Mike, like for sure. Like that's coming from his guitar. Like it's, he has a unique sound to him. And it's, he uh, does have a unique sound. And it's, that's a sweet point because when you go through and you sprinkle in some Mad Season and some Temple of the Dog, like, you're like, that's totally Mike McCready right there. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? And um, by the way, by the way, like we're not going to, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a huge uh, um, Temple of the Dog fan, except for. Um, I know, will the crush your face. Yeah. That right yeah. now. <laughs> so I'm not a big, I'm not a big Chris Cornell fan. Um, I'm not a big Chris Cornell fan. I uh, see. Here's but the divide. I will Finally say it's coming. Yeah. I, <laughs> I will say hunger strike, which of course is, um, so, so amazing. Uh, the sound, the voice difference between Chris and uh, again, I'm, I'm regurgitating PJ 20. It's a funny story about stone. Maybe the reason why I'm, I'm another reason why I'm such a huge fan of stone is because he you know, defended you know Ed and he's telling this story. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the, the documentary where, uh, you know, everybody's talking about how good Chris is and then the new temple of the dog and, and Chris is like, okay, where's your guy? You know, where's where's this guy Ed? And you know, we don't know yeah. this guy. And he comes in and he starts singing his uh, his portion of Temple of the Dog. He's like, Stone's looking around. He's like, man, my guy's good too, right? Like, yeah, he is good too. Oh, yeah, dude, like so cool. And that track is it's just so amazing. And it's just got a beautiful his Ed's voice in that is absolutely fantastic. And um, and honestly, yeah. I think he outperforms Chris in that in that song. Uh, in my opinion, of course, I'm probably pretty much biased, but he outperforms Chris uh, light years uh, in that track. That's okay. We're all entitled to our opinions. No, dude, it's totally cool because I think when I first heard Hunger Strike, you know, I knew more about Pearl Jam than I did about Soundgarden at the time, right? So mm-hmm. I would look forward to Ed's part in the song, you know, right. I kind Absolutely. of, I kind of uh, you know, felt a little bit more right there. Now I don't want to get off on a tangent on Temple of the Dog because we will never talk about the other people in the band, but I do have a lot to say about them. Um, because what's cool, I think you get these certain moments in time in a certain city where you know the seattle music scene at the time was very tight and the city was smaller everybody knew each other everybody went to the same shows you know you've got people from soundgarden you've got people from pearl jam nirvana heart alice in chains um, alice in chains right and then you've got Candlebox, and then you've got um a number of different uh bands that all these guys all like know each other and they Mm -hmm. see each other and they hang with each other and you don't get that a lot where you have this kind of certain moment in time you know they're documented and they're well recorded you know when you have say like the british explosion coming in when you have a certain amount like motown was kicking at a certain time right the la stuff in the 80s you don't really see uh, an area of the country right now. And then you have, of course, then you have Atlanta for the rap scene and things like that at different points. 
but you don't have these like smaller towns anymore where everybody's like knowing each other, learning from each other, kind of growing from each other. Um, so when I hear the collaborations, especially with like Mad Season and Temple of the Dog, for me, I'm loving it. Um, I got a lot of stories about that, but um, I think we got to keep moving on to like talk about Jeff, talk about Matt, talk well, about talk about Boom a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and even Dave Ambrosies and Jack Iron. Okay, so and maybe in the band, right? Yeah, maybe maybe the last topic or the last um, focus of, of today's episode is is just touch point on the drummer situation. So. Um, obviously Matt Cameron's, you know, he's been holding it down for the longest period of time, but sure. Dave Ambrosie's something about his sound, I think, you know, was, I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoy his, his drums in, mm-hmm. in verses and Vitology. I think he was in on Vitology. Um, but do you have, there's what, five drummers? Oh, hard. Uh, I don't know the whole amount <laughs> of drummer sitch you know but you're not the first person that i've talked to that has kind of said that because um one of my friends that i used to work with she was saying that she really liked jack irons and the way that he would drum and it was a little more free-flowing and that you know i've heard over time like matt cameron he's just he's so precise and so right. regimented that you know he'll kind of play the same at every concert. There's not a lot of variance there. And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. I can kind of see what people are saying about that um, because he has this very, this, this like perfect structure. He's got, you know, he's got perfect posture and he's just, he hits all the notes. Right. And there's really like no mistakes there. Mm -hmm. And so I did like what Jack Irons brought. I did like what Dave Ambrosies brought. I, I don't know if I've really gone back and just really tried to focus on the sound of the drums on the earlier ones to see if I can create or actually hear a significant distinction. I'm sure it's there. Yeah, it's there. Right? It's, I'm it's, sure it's, it's there. In, um, last Exit is that really that intro um, of that yes. really hard drum. I just, it just, it's different than, than what you would hear today. Um, yeah, but again, absolutely. I, I, as, as I've, I've heard some of those shows where he's, he's, he's given kudos to Matt and how, how strong a drummer he is. And right. Which brings some of his experience with Soundgarden and, um, brought some stability to that, to that piece. So sure, of course sure. it's, uh, it's a different sound and, and, and I think there is a different sound in Jack Irons. I think he was in no code, but I don't know. I keep going back to the MTV unplugged. I, uh, I've, I, that's like the only time I've ever really seen a video of, of Dave Ambrosies, but I thought maybe that was a, I don't know if I've even read some articles about him being kind of a different cat. Didn't really get along with the band all and maybe sure. I think maybe even Ed, but, um, nevertheless, man. Yeah. Yeah. But at least, you know, they got the music in while they could and, and it's gotta be hard, dude. I mean, you know, we're super lucky that the band actually has been able to stay together for so long right. because, seems like a very difficult job to do to like (laughs) you're on the road with these sane people and yeah you become brothers and you start to you know you love each other and you piss each other off all the time and 
and how to be mature enough at a young age when you know you're partying with all these other rock stars all the time and not to get sucked into the trap of significant chemical dependency, right? right? Where it totally annihilates your career. Now, I know Ed likes to get down on his bottle of wine. So do I, right? Right, you know, Mike's been very vocal about his early years, you know, yeah. overcoming what he's yeah. had to overcome and things like that. And so, you know, just lucky that we could have him for as long That's as it, we man. do. And I, That's hate, and I hope they keep going because I think their music style lends to longevity. I'm always waiting for like when Metallica is going to kind of like peter out because even Lars is like, hey, I'm not playing like, you know, Rolling Stone songs up here where I'm just going one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And I love the Stones. I'm not taking any of yeah, Lars is pretty strong. <laughs> you know, but to be able to play that certain pace and style of music, like age will get us at one point in time. And so, you know, I'm happy for also the style of music that they play because now I think there's a really good shot of being able to like, Take take little man to a show. Have him see the band, even if he doesn't get into him. Which I'll have to just physically force him into. Like I know, I know, I'm having that problem right now with my guy. Well, they're they're young, dude. We know we're young, so it's okay. But I tried playing him. I played I played a live for him for my boy uh, this morning, (laughs) and he's like, "Dad, I want more rock." Because we've been playing some Incubus, we've been doing some jumping around and stuff downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I want more rock. I said, this is a rock song, but maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe Alive is a slow slow burn all of a sudden. I don't know, man. But Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, you know, kids will tell you like it is. So um, right. we'll have to have a special kid guest on one day. That'd be like, fun. But I think you're wrong. You're totally right. <laughs> you're right. I think the, the – and for the – we wanted to share some personal stories. And you have most of them, of course, with, with the band members. But – I think it's, I think, like you said, it's unique to find a band that never, uh, don't know this for certain, but has, has a mutual respect for each other. I think they show that on, <clears throat> they show that in, in shows and they, um, yeah, absolutely. They, especially Ed, like I, he, he tries to, he tries to um, give recognition to Stone and Jeff and, and, and Boom when he can, of course. So it's just a unique, uh, and they have such a good, I mean, they're brothers, like you said. So, right. Right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully they can keep it going. Like you said, there's they're still putting out new albums and um, on to the next uh, next discussion, I guess. You know, um, so yeah, back to the drummers, right? I think super lucky that they were able to get Matt Cameron at all, right? Because he was mm-hmm. pulling double duty for a long time, and just like the stamina that guy's got to have, like that dude's in shape, dude. When I saw him in person, I mean. He looks like he's in good shape. He's, you know, he's thin. He's not carrying any extra weight. I'm sure he sweats out like 20 pounds every time he's playing, right? And um, I think that job kind of lends itself to having to be, you know, physically strong. And how cool is it that you can have two mammoth Seattle bands sharing a drummer and, like, be totally cool with that which also, you know, lends itself to the strength of, I'm sure, the relationship that 
Chris Cornell had with Ed and that the boys all had with each other. Um, Jeff is also very underrated and he's very talented and I need to personally spend more time uh, branching out from the Pearl Jam tree because I haven't really listened to a lot, lot of like Trace Mountains, you right, know, or right. Brad, Brad. And things like that. And so, you know, that stuff I definitely have to do, but I like his, um, I like his skater mentality, right? Uh-huh. I like the skater die. That's pretty well, awesome. Yep, yep. Yeah. It's really cool. And, you know, what made me like him is I grew up watching the Blues Brothers uh, a lot on TV. And a lot of people these days were like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen the Blues Brothers. I'm like, it's just an awesome music all the way through. And they had a really cool uh, bass player named Donald Duck Dunn. And he had this kind of white man's afro. And he was always smoking on like a corn cob pipe. And he just kind of looked like a Muppet, right? And kind of like when... when, Dave uh, Grohl from Foo Fighters bangs on the drums. He kind of looks like Animal back then. Oh, sure, yeah. This guy kind of looks like the um, the bass player in there. Anyway, on the back of Jeff's bass, he would have some of his favorite uh, bass players. Bass players, yeah. and yep. Donald Duck Dunn was like one of them on there. And I was like, "See, I knew I liked this guy." <laughs> right? You make the connection, and uh, you know. I know we're getting close to the end on time, but I got to meet him for about 20 seconds. Was also very nice, very accommodating. A little shorter than I imagined. He's I'm not the tallest guy either, dude. You're probably the taller uh, between you and me. Uh, Jeff is a little shorter than me. So, but man, that low center of gravity lends itself to like slapping the base, dude. Yeah, and you the know? one thing that was that's I not the one thing, but. Um... He comes from this small town in eastern uh, Montana, which is super cool because it's he kind of puts that in some of his the songs that he writes. Um, but I kind of have a little um, a connection with that coming from such a small town in, in the Midwest. Yeah. And it was like, I want to get to a big city where there's more diversity. And there's a big right. part of there's a big part of me that had that same kind of you know, yearning feeling to I need to go. I need to go be in a part of a big big city and, 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 and see what this is about. See what it's like. Yeah. And I think there's a, yeah. So, and there's all these, all these different things. And, and Jeff of course is, yeah, he, he does some amazing things, but. Uh, he definitely he, dressed well, the most eclectic out of all the boys yeah, back in the day. I was just like, you know, I go back and look at some of the, you know, photos and it's just like, you got the crew and then, you know, Jeff just like totally is like sticking out with his crazy hats and crazy double tank tops you know right. um which is cool because i like people that have different sides to them he's got the basketball side he's got sure. the he's got the you know the skate deck side of him he's got the music side of him the art side the photography like he's super he's super talented. creative and it's been cool over the past couple years to see these guys branch out i know mike mccready was doing um not screenplays, but basically um, a lot of the musical. God, dude, I'm totally blanking. 
um, you know, you have like certain movies, and he's and he's in charge of just like the musical itinerary for the movie. It'll come. Uh, okay. I'm, okay. I'm being dumb right now, but he's Music, done. Like, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, he's done stuff like that. Um, so he's worked in like some film aspects. He's really branched out and works with like a lot of local groups. Everyone from like Brandy Carlisle, right? Uh, quite a bit lately to um oh gosh to uh thunder pussy which i just wanted to say that word live online <laughs> because they're seattle and they get a lot of uh street cred and mike's all over the place that's right i have seen some wants, of that that's right he just wants to jam you yeah. know well, i think he's always writing for jeff always writing you know they're great yeah for jeff and last thing on jeff is um it's hard for me. I, I don't have that great of musical ear, but it's hard for me to really, you know, minus like Jeremy or some of these other Wygo where they're really heavy bass. Um, it's hard for me to really pick it out, you know. And right. then, you know, if you unless you're like Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, where you're like you're, it's like Anthony Kiedis and then Flea. Like everybody knows Flea, so right, right. I think he's probably sometimes. I I I, I would imagine that. Jeff maybe just kind of flows into the this, the general Danelle sound of, of oh yeah you know, the song, but and, right that, and that's what and that's what's so cool you know it's going to be hard to get off this episode because there's so much to talk about with the boys. The last thing I think we'll end on is you know we got to talk about Boom a little bit. He is in the band. I'll just never forget the first time I think I saw the video for like I Am Mine, and well, one, it was their first video in like a really long time. Right. And two, I'm like, who's that guy? Yeah. Who's the dude off in the right? Right. Is he playing is he playing the piano? Yeah. Like what what uh -huh. just happened? Because, you know, there was, you know, everything you get again at the time was through like, you know, Spin magazine or Rolling Stone. And so there wasn't for me, I never knew there was no announcement. Like, we are adding someone to the band. Well, and, you hear, you can hear yeah. some piano in, I think, okay, don't, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you can hear piano in, in like black, but I think that's Brennan O'Brien playing it. He's not a member of the band. He's, he's a producer, of course. Of, yeah. I think yeah, you yeah, can yeah. hear that, but until Boom, like, you know, obviously he has his place and like Crazy Mary hearing live like he just goes off which is terrific so awesome. yeah i would have never thought yeah i want to hear a solo from the organist but yeah. he is uh yeah he's great man he's absolutely yeah. great so great that they brought someone else in um i definitely didn't expect it and you know i you know being a huge fan as i'm my goal is i'm putting together this massive pearl jam collage but okay. I, I gotta remember I got to put Boom in there because he's been in the band like over 20 years. Now, yeah, so probably like, just as long. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so um, good show. I don't know if we made any sense or we even cleared anything up other than the fact that we're totally just loving talking about these guys. Um, we sure do appreciate everyone listening through all of our complete random banter that we That's do right. and will continue to do because there is a lot uh to talk about moving forward so anything on the end for you there my friend no, just thanks, looking yeah. forward to next week already looking forward to next week there's some really interesting topics coming up 
Uh, it's a real highlight for uh, for me to to have this conversation and and obviously thank you to the listeners that have been uh, been downloading. That's fantastic. Um, so keep it I coming. I want we'll, to give a shout out. You shout out to the European listeners. Listening. Yeah, you shout out to Europe you. right now. What's I, up, y'all? Shout out to my European listeners. That's uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's my cool. guys. Well, right until on. next time, this has been another episode of TJ's Black Circle. You all stay safe out there.